Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Randy McLeese, CIO at St. Clair Regional Medical Center and recipient of CHIME's Public Policy Award. In this segment, McLeese talks about how partnering with other organizations can help small and rural hospitals stay relevant, CHIME's relentless focus on patient identification and the standardization of data, and why he's so involved, and how health IT can become a strategic weapon as the industry moves forward. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvada.com. And when you talked about some of the, the conversations that go on when you're meeting with policymakers, and is a lot of it just telling them some of the experiences you've had, like with with the system update that was supposed to be happen in November, just kind of giving real life examples of what you go through. It has been, and those are the kinds of things that mean a lot to them. Yeah. Um, because I mean, we're dealing with in some cases um, specific patient experiences. In, in this case, a specific implementation experience. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it, that's really what they want to hear is how difficult is it for us to do some of these things. Yeah. Ultimately, I think we're all on the, uh, you know, we've all got the same train of thought is we want to do a better job of taking care of the patients. Yeah, sure. When you do speak to them, do you think that sometimes they are surprised by what they hear just because if you're not the one who's actually, you know, using these information systems, I'm sure it's easy to be kind of removed from it. Yeah, I think one of the things that, uh, and this is a, a little bit dated, but I think one of the things that we noticed was uh, some of the folks did not realize that it takes anywhere near as long as it does to put a system in place and go through the testing process that we have to go through in order mm-hmm. for it to to do what it needs to do before we can say that it's it's live and, and we can put it over in our day-to-day use environment. Right. Because, you know, when we talked about it in Washington, I I got the impression from some of the folks that they did not realize that you couldn't just go put in uh, the software and start using it on day one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of any health system that does that because there's some kind of a test period that goes along with it uh, to make sure that it works the way it, it's supposed to work and it works the way we need it to work uh, to take care of the patients. Because any, any updates, any reprogramming, any changes affects our workflow as well as uh, how the patient data is then put and then displayed. And it may be minute in one area and great in another, uh, but we've got to test those things that have been changed and make sure that they work the way we need them to work. Right. And then I think that was one of the aha moments uh, that we saw a few years ago. And and as far as what's coming up, you know, obviously that there's going to be a period of change with whatever happens politically. But what do you think are going to be uh, really the, the biggest areas of focus in in health IT policy in the near future? Uh, we're just so, sitting here with bated breath. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I think ultimately, you know, I, I can't speak for the others from the CHIME Policy Steering Committee, but from my standpoint, Basically, we don't see a significant change in the efforts that we're trying to do in as much as we're trying to get electronic systems in place to better the care of patients and hold the line or reduce the cost. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and, and regardless of the political change, and there will be some change, I, I don't see the basic underlying effort changing. I think it's going to move forward, um, and, and to me, for the country, it has to. Yeah. 
Now, at your own organization, um, St. Clair is part of uh, the Kentucky Health Collaborative. Do you think that this is something that we might start to see become more common as far as some of the organizations that are either smaller or in rural areas forming these partnerships to kind of uh, help manage the, the challenges? I do. Uh, and, and St. Clair traditionally has been partnered, affiliated with, uh, not owned by, but, uh, you know, been a partner with uh, other healthcare organizations. Uh, we're into the uh, fifth year of an accountable care organization that's been a part of the Bon Secours Health System, uh, of course, in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And then the Kentucky Health Collaborative is, is relatively new, and there, there's a lot of discussion right now, and, and I'm involved with that from the IT standpoint, but the IT group is coming up with suggestions and ideas on what we can do as a collaborative, not just from the purchasing standpoint, but also from the patient care standpoint to provide that the better flow of data uh, amongst our collaborative members because most of us have been somewhat uh, partners in the past already. For example, University of Kentucky is a part of that Kentucky Health Collaborative, and St. Clair has been a teaching facility for University of Kentucky Healthcare for 50 years. Mm-hmm. So with the collaborative coming on, it, it, it's expanding uh, the number of healthcare providers that, that we're going to be working with. and. You know, within the collaborative itself, we're trying to figure out some of the IT things that we can do to move forward. And it's it's still somewhat in its infancy as we're moving forward. There's still some ideas being suggested, and, and we're doing two or three of those ideas right now and, and uh, vetting those and how far down the road can we go with them and how can it help us as a, as a collaborative. Right. But, yes, back to your question. I see that as, you know, especially when it comes to those of us that are out in the rural areas of the country, we've got to do some of those things in order to survive. Yeah. And then when it comes to being able to share data, that seems similar to what you said about actually getting an EMR system up and running, that it's just the, the idea of it is very different from the actual, like actually being able to make that happen. And, it's, you know, as we know, interoperability is, is one of the biggest challenges out there right now. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, from the time standpoint, one of the things we've we've kind of dwelled on for quite some time is two areas of interoperability. One is the the identification of the patient themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, Chime's got the challenge out there right now, uh, the patient matching challenge. And that's not as big of an issue for us here uh, at St. Clair as it is in some of the uh, larger markets where you have multiple people that have the same name. I, actually, it, yeah. it's somewhat of an issue here because we had a, both a doctor and a nurse that were that had the same name. Oh, wow. So we, it doesn't hit us as often as it does some of the larger organizations, but it, it does hit us. We see a lot of, uh, you know, father, son, you know, senior and junior that uh, we, we see those kinds of issues with. But um that's one area. And the other one is the standardization of the data that gets exchanged. Mm-hmm. You know, do, does our lab system uh, record data in the same way that the University of Kentucky lab system records data? Is it exactly the same? You know, so when it goes through that transmission, do we have to convert it? Do we have to do a lot of work with it before it actually gets there and, and they can use it? And I just use that as a minute example, but that's part of what we, from the time standpoint, have been pointing out from the regulation standpoint that we've got to get some of these standards in place so it's easier for us as providers to share that data amongst ourselves. Okay. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask is, is kind of a kind of a big question, but you, you've been in, in your role at St. Clair for, for about 15 years, right? 
Actually, I've been here it's almost 21. Oh, okay. All right, so a while. And then, and so there's been such a tremendous evolution in, in the CIO role. Um, obviously, I don't have to tell you that, but how do you think that that role is going to need to continue to, to evolve to, to be able to really just keep up with, with everything that's going on? Well, I think the CIO has got to be more on the strategic end. And, and, you know, I'm talking about how do we get out there and exchange data with other healthcare providers. The CIO is going to have to be out there on the front end of that, uh, pointing out how we're going to have to do that. The role in itself, to me, has to be more uh, on the front end rather than being reactive to some strategic decision that's been made by the organization. Uh, because the, to me, the role needs to be out there to the point that if there's anything being considered by the organization, whether it's at the executive level in the organization or by the board, then the CIO has some input on how that's going to affect the entire organization. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I can give you one very simple example that, that uh, I've used here in the past, and it's very minute when it comes to overall strategy, and that's that's the whole idea of how do we, in a small community like this, set up our facilities. I brought up the point a few years ago that you know, as we develop facilities to provide different services, let's not go get 10 facilities, uh, if, you know, if we can avoid it. Let's, let's go get one facility out here somewhere because when it comes to communication, it is much more economical from the IT standpoint to provide one connection to a facility that provides 10 services than it is to provide 10 connections to 10 facilities. And it may sound simplistic, but you know, we, unless we think of those things on the front end, um, that's not always the way it's done. And in our case, you know, we, we've kind of consolidated facilities over the, over the years, but uh, for a while we had numerous different small buildings. And of course, from the IT standpoint, we had to put communications into each one of those. Yeah, interesting. But it's the same thing, you know, even, even when it comes to on a larger scale, becoming part of an ACO or becoming part of a collaborative, you know, what are the implications of this? Uh, and how do we share and exchange the data if, if we're going into, and in the case of the collaborative, uh, a 10 organization uh, collaborative, how do we share the data amongst all of us? Right. It's a different way of thinking, I guess. It is. It is. Yeah. And traditionally, you know, coming through the years, IT has been, uh, it's been in a support role uh, to support the corporate strategies, but IT has, to me, bubbled up to the top uh, to the point that, personally, what I think it is, it, uh, and I've said it a few times, it's a strategic weapon <laughs> because those organizations that do a better job of utilizing technology uh, are the ones that, in healthcare, do a better job of taking care of the patient and do it more efficiently, more effectively. Okay. Well, that's, that covers what I wanted to talk about. Um, thank you okay. so much for your time. I appreciate it. Like I said, you, you, especially when you're trying to wrap things up before you, you go away. So thank you so much. Oh, you're most welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. Sure. Thanks again, and I uh, hope to see you next month. Okay. I'll, I'll be in uh, Scottsdale. So. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Randy. All right. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.